Welcome to 41 Files. I'm Katherine Finnerty. And I'm Casey Murray. We're digital producers at 41 Action News. In this special two-part miniseries, we look back on one of the deadliest engineering failures in U.S. history, which happened right here in Kansas City. On July 17, 1981, couples were coming to a newly constructed Hyatt Regency Hotel for a 5 o'clock tea dance. More than 1,600 people attended the event in the hotel's lobby, and about 60 onlookers watched the dancers from skywalks suspended from the ceiling. They were one of the hotel's most striking architectural features in an atrium filled with light from many surrounding windows. The hotel was brand new, opening its doors the year before in 1980, and it was the perfect place to host a Friday night dance. But sadly, around 7 p.m., the fourth floor skywalk fell onto the second floor skywalk and down onto the dancers below. The Hyatt disaster changed America in ways you might not know about if you weren't in Kansas City back then. In this episode, Catherine will take us back to what happened and what the community and first responders did in the direct aftermath. Right after the skywalks fell, like in many disasters, chaos ensued. It was dark. Pipes were broken, and water poured into the lobby as wires dangled dangerously near. It was loud. Broken glass and concrete were everywhere, and people were screaming. You know the smell of blood, but you don't know the smell of carnage. That's Dr. Joe Weckerly. He was one of the emergency doctors there that night and was one of the first doctors to arrive on the scene. He saw things we won't fully discuss on this podcast because of their graphic nature, but the scene he walked into was terrifying, confusing, and brutal. Weckerly had just finished his shift at Baptist Medical Center and was running up and down the hospital steps to train for rugby season. He was heading back to the emergency department when he got the call about the Hyatt. He had no idea what he was walking into. And they said, well, the Hyatt's had an accident. The roof caved in or something. We don't know what's going on. But we need the uh, we need a me- we need a medical person there. Weckerly said it looked like a bomb had gone off. When I walked in there, and they were dragging me in, um, I had no concept. And all of a sudden, as I said to you, I have line electrical lines arcing, swinging, and it's dark, and it's loud. It, it, And it's chaos, but sort of a controlled chaos. It's not like war, uh, but it is like war. Emergency personnel weren't the only ones who had no idea what the extent of the damage was that night. It was a different world in 1981, before social media and cell phones. Brent Wright lived in Kansas City with his mom, stepdad, dad, and sister. 41 Action News anchor Taylor Hemnes interviewed right at the memorial site for the collapse, so you may hear some road noise in the background. I was 17. Um, you know, actually that night, that Friday night, I was at work. I, had to, I worked at Macy's to earn money. You know, I was headed off to college, and I heard on the radio, you know, that something had happened. Nobody was clear really what had happened. And I thought, you know, maybe I ought to call my mom and see what they're up to, see if they know anything about it. I called them, and of course, they didn't answer. They didn't answer because Wright's mother and stepfather, who married just 16 days before the collapse, went to go dancing at the Hyatt. Wright didn't know where his parents were or what had happened in the hotel until the next morning. 
you know, we didn't have cell phones, of course, you know, it's 1981, it's 40 years ago. No cell phones, no way to really get any communication other than the radio and, you know, we watched the TV, the newscast, and I, I didn't even know that they were actually there that night. Wright and his sister were working at Oak Park Mall on Saturday when their father called and told them to come home. My dad called and said, you just go get her and come home. And you get that kind of call, you know, there's no good news coming, but we never could have expected what we heard when we walked in the door. They were sitting there on the couch and it was clear, it was clear something horrible had happened and everybody was crying. And uh, as I remember my dad, said, you know, I, I don't know how else to tell you this, but you know, your mother and, and Jean were killed at the high camps. His mother was 37 years old when she died. Karen Jeter and her new husband, Eugene Jeter, are two of 114 people who lost their lives, and there were countless others who were injured. Wright, now president of the Skywalk Memorial Foundation, talked with first responders for years after the event. He said he is appreciative of their hard work and for the lives they saved that night. Dr. Weckerly said the Hyatt was one of the first times in modern U.S. history that doctors had to respond to this kind of emergency. And the first thing you have to do, uh, as I was trained to do in my residency program at Truman, as an emergency physician is triage and, and identify the people that are going to die no matter what you do, so you leave them alone. The pe- people that are going to live no matter what you do, so you don't attend to them. And then the people in the middle that have a chance to live if you can intervene, and those are who you go after to take care of first and foremost. And that's really the first time that I'm aware of in modern United States history that we had to do that. So that's become one of the hallmarks of the Hyatt. Triage is the process of prioritizing patients in a disaster situation when it's impossible for medical personnel to see everyone. The way EMS thought about separating patients who they could save and sadly could not save was honed during the collapse. My focus is what I did was not on what I did two minutes ago my focus was on what I could do next to the next person to help them. And I was never comfortable with saying to you, you're going to die no matter what I do. But I did it, and I knew it was true, and I had to go on. That was his job. Assess, treat, move on. Weckerly crawled into the rubble and helped treat the trapped victims. He said communication between first responders is key to any disaster response. I used to bullhorn because I couldn't, I couldn't yell louder than the water and the screaming and the chaos and the people. And um, we had to organize because it, it needed to be organized. And, you know, people were pulling at you every which way to help. Even through all the chaos, Weckerly remembers the whole team of first responders doing everything they could to help the victims. He recounts one victim that was trapped under two skywalks and the way he tried to make him comfortable before he died. And this track victim was not going anywhere and he was going to die. And I told him that. 
and we had no analgesics, no medicines at the Hyatt. We had no, we had a few IVs. We started an IV, which was sort of a break in the rules for me because I spent a little more time starting an IV. Shouldn't have done that. That's another minute that I delayed from somebody else, but I don't regret that. And I asked one of my colleagues, one of the paramedics to go to the closest ER and get some morphine because he was going to die and I didn't want him to die of suffering. Weckerly was busy throughout the 14-hour recovery process, and by the end of it, he was covered in cuts and his scrubs were covered in water and blood. He said he won't ever forget that night. Neither, of course, will the families of those who died. Even through all of the pain and tragedy, Wright wants to remember the happy memories with his mother, dancing, but feels the loss through life's big milestones. What I hope to do is to kind of filter out the, the really awful memories and you know, the tragedy part of it, and try and reflect on you know, my mother and who she was, and how much fun they had, what a wonderful lady she was. But at the same time, anybody who's experienced a tragedy like this knows that she never saw me graduate college, didn't see me graduate law school, didn't see me get married, didn't know I have two wonderful daughters. Uh, and so it's emotional. It's, it, it's hard. Wright's family, like so many others, was forever changed by the collapse. The collapse also changed industry standards to try to make sure nothing like this ever happened again. In the next episode, we will talk about the aftermath of the Hyatt disaster, how the collapse changed the way we inspect buildings, and how doctors respond to disasters. We will also speak to an architect on the Hyatt Regency building itself and his experience with the collapse. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our special two-part miniseries. We have these people's stories and more, including an interactive timeline and photo gallery online at kshb.com slash Hyatt40.